Good afternoon, y'all. It's great to see y'all today. On this feast of St. Scholastica, um, like I said, the sister to St. Benedict. Um, it was really cool. A couple of summers ago when I was in Europe, um, I was able to go to the big monastery where uh, St. Benedict lived, the cave that he originally went to when he was a young man. Um, and it's this beautiful monastery up in the mountains. And uh, in that monastery is the tomb of Benedict and Scholastica. Like they're buried together. I was like, how cool. What a witness to brotherly and sisterly love, right? Our siblings. So many times we don't really always get along with them. But, I mean, these two were great saints in the church. I love the story where um, St. Benedict one day went to go visit his sister. And um, she was in the monastery. And, uh, and she hadn't seen him in forever. And so she really wanted to spend more time with him. But he was like, no, I'm going to go ahead and leave. And so she prayed that, uh, that a storm would come to make him stay. And that's exactly what happened. A big old storm blew in, and he had to spend the night in the monastery, and it said they stayed up all night speaking of the things and the mysteries of God. The next morning when the storm finished, he goes to leave, and he looks back, and he sees a dove flying out from the monastery, and he knew that it was his sister who had um, died that night and was taken up to heaven. So, um, so just a really cool moment, you know, like God granting her heart's desire, the purity of his bride, St. Scholastica, um, and giving her a heart's desire to spend time with her brother. Um, the gospel today is really, really kind of fascinating. If you put the gospel and the first reading together, of course, in the first reading, we hear the account of creation, right? Um, this is Genesis chapter 2. It's the second account. What happens if you have Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, and they're very different from each other? Um, it's basically like Genesis chapter 1 is like a zoomed-in view of creation. It gives you details of how man and woman were created. Genesis chapter 2 is like pulling back and getting a panoramic view. So it's not that there's two different creations. It's just what if you have a picture of the Grand Canyon, right, and it's a panoramic view, you see, God, like that's a lot. But then if you zoom in on something, you're like, oh, that's a beautiful piece, right? That's the difference between Genesis 1 and 2. One's a panoramic view. One is a zoomed-in view. So this one is the, the big picture, right? And in it, God is speaking to Adam, and he gives him a truth. And boundaries. He says, you are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. From that tree you shall not eat. The moment you eat from it, you are surely doomed to die. Right? So Adam had all the freedom in the world, in this beautiful garden, to eat of anything. But the minute God put a boundary, a restriction, um, it's the very thing that he's like, well, I want that one. <laughs> right? Isn't that the human condition? Right? We always want what we can't have. <laughs> you know, I know that it's like that with a little kid. You know, how many times as a little kid, man, they, they learn by testing, right? You tell them, okay, the stove is hot. Don't touch that pot. It's a hot pot. What are they going to do? Boop. They're going to touch it. They're going to scream. They're going to cry. And they're going to have the effect of a burn on their hand, right? Hopefully it won't be too bad. But you see what I'm saying? Just because a little kid doesn't want to believe doesn't mean that it's not true. And all he has to do is try it, and he's going to have the effect and realize, oh, mama was right. <laughs> it's hot. I'm never doing that again, right? So just because a kid doesn't believe something to be true doesn't, number one, mean it's not true, and number two, doesn't mean that it's not going to affect them, right? And so this is where we come with our understanding of universal truths, moral truths. There are things that are morally wrong that no matter how much I say, well, that's not my truth, it doesn't make it right. Right? And that's what God is speaking to Adam about. And we see that 
So Adam looks at the tree. He's like, okay, I get it. But then um, remember, it's the, it's the woman who ate first of the tree. And so I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if he just forgot to tell Eve because it says she's not here at this point. Was he just a typical man? He's like, oh, yeah, honey, I'm so sorry. I forgot to tell you. God said don't eat from that tree. She's like, well, thanks a lot, Adam. Appreciate that, right? <laughs> just kidding. Um, but yeah, but so God gives a universal truth. Don't eat from it because if you do, you're going to die. Not physically die. Yes, the result of sin is physical death, but they died spiritually. There was this great chasm that happened in the soul and the union that they had and they shared with God once they ate of the tree. Why? Because it was their pride. We all know that, right? Pride is what was the first sin of our first parents. And so when you look at the gospel, it's the same thing. Jesus is speaking to the vast crowds. Remember yesterday he was telling people, the Pharisees, about food? Like there were kosher laws that the Jews had, and he's like, oh, you know, those are, those are grave laws. Like that, that's not what we're talking about. Jesus is getting into the heart. And he's basically saying that um, he basically declares everything to be clean, all food to be clean. And for the Jew, man, that was a big deal. You mean you want me to eat a pig? Are you kidding me, Jesus? Nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth, as Peter would end up saying, right? So the Jews had their kosher laws, and Jesus is going beyond the old covenant and setting them up for the new covenant. And he declares this, which is a massive thing for them. So he comes, and Jesus begins listing different universal moral truths. He says, but for what comes out of man from his heart, that's what defiles him. Thoughts of evil thoughts, unchastity, fornication, pornography, all the likes of those things. Theft, like don't steal, don't kill people, don't commit adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these come from within and they defile, right? So Jesus is given a list of moral norms, right? And, it's, and we could easily say, as our culture does, well, I agree with that one and that one and that one, but that one, eh, my truth says that one's not a sin, right? Well, my truth is wrong, right? <laughs> because if we do them internally, our heart knows it. I mean, that's just the way sin works. Jesus is saying, no, there's universal truths, and if we choose those, we still have freedom to choose them, our heart will always know it, and we will always grapple with it, and we will always be unhappy. Why? Because sin is incapable of making us happy. It's incapable of doing it. It has no power to do it. What is the result of sin? Death, not life. And our souls know it. It's like... It's like you're not made for that, right? It's like me trying to eat broccoli. It's just not made to go into my stomach, right? Um, your soul knows it. Why? Because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when it's a temple of the Holy Spirit, it's made for God's grace and the dwelling place of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what our heart is made for. And whenever I put something else in it, it's like, oh, that doesn't fit. It doesn't work. It doesn't feel good. And that's whenever we come and we go to confession. And we're like, Lord, none of this feels right inside of me. Right? I may not be a theologian or a moral theologian, but I know what don't taste right. I'm not made for that. Right? Because everybody's thirsty. Right? And there's that wonderful quote that says, Humanity is so thirsty that if you lead them to a mirage, they will drink the sand. Humanity is so thirsty that if you lead them to a mirage, they will drink the sand. 
Sand's not good for you. <laughs> right? But water is, and so we thirst for these truths. And whenever we don't get it, we recognize that's not good water. And we thirst for the living water that Jesus has to give to us. That's the beauty of repentance. We can go back to Jesus and say, I've been eating the wrong food. I've been living the wrong life. And I want to turn back to you. And that's what Jesus is telling us. These things aren't good. He's warning us, don't touch the hot pot on the stove. You're going to get burned. All right? And so we can either choose to believe him or we'll say, I'm going to go touch the hot pot just so I can see. Whether we believe it to be true or not, we're still going to get affected. That's what is at the root of all this, right? And so let us today choose to follow what Christ is asking us to do, whether my emotions want to follow it or not. Let's just, let's just say, Lord, give me the gift of purity. Give me the gift not to want to murder my spouse. Give me the gift um, not to be envious, right? Um, ask for those graces, and He wants to give them to us, right? So what is it that you're asking for today uh, from the Lord to be able to, to live in the light and the grace that God has intended for us? Amen?